We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Wednesday morning. It's March 1st after a Wolves win in Los Angeles on Tuesday night against the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going to be joined today by Wolves beat writer Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. But really quick before we bring in Jace, I wanted to let those of you who might be interested know that I am teaching a class on the evolution of sports media next Thursday, March 9th. I know you all listen to me talk plenty, but that's typically about sports and not sports media. I often try and kind of separate the two uh, on this podcast, right? I try and focus on the subject matter, the Timberwolves, and more so leave myself, my experiences out of the podcast conversation. But this class will be about my experience experiences in the local media space and what I've learned over the years and what I'm still learning and kind of have to continue to learn in a pretty consistently evolving workplace. I certainly know this isn't for everyone and that's fine, uh, but I do know that I get plenty of messages, emails, whatever about how the sports media space works, what my story to get into it was, and this class will will dive into those topics of how I've seen even just in the, you know, kind of 5-6 years I've been doing this, watched the sports media space around me sort of evolve. And, you know, as an independent reporter, we'll talk about kind of how I've navigated this and maybe how there's ever been a better time. Maybe I got a little lucky that I am an independent reporter at this time in an evolving sports media space. So again, the class is next Thursday, March 9th at the Eisenhower Community Center in Hopkins. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. is the class. The class is part of the Hopkins Community Ed Program, which means it is a ticketed event. Tickets do cost $39 for the two-hour class. You're probably like, wait, what? I've never paid a cent to listen to you talk before. Why does this cost 40 bucks? different monetization strategies, right? The money goes to the Hopkins Community Ed Program, and yes, to me to put on the class. If you are the type of sports fan that is not only into the sport itself, but also sports media, then I do think you'll find this class worth it. And of course, I'm sure we'll sit around afterwards, take questions and talk about Nasri or whatever. So if you'd like to sign up, the link for purchasing tickets to the class is in the episode description of this episode on your podcast player. I'll also tweet out the link to sign up this afternoon. And if those options are too complicated, you can just Google Evolution of Sports Media Hopkins, which will bring up the sign-up link in the first search result. So that's the deal. Next Thursday, March 9th, Eisenhower Community Center in Hopkins, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. class. It's a class on the evolution of sports media taught by me. All right, let's bring in Jace Frederick to talk Wolves Clippers from last night. Okay, we are now joined by Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press, and we finally have a win to talk about. Wolves, of course, beat the Clippers 108-101 to on Tuesday night to sort of help write what was feeling like a sinking ship that was entering really, really choppy waters with this schedule ahead. Jace, we knew coming into this game, or any of these upcoming games, that the Wolves are going to need just a more balanced performance from their starters and their bench. Way more than they've been getting recently, uh, but we we also know for these Wolves to win while Cat is sidelined. That's so much, I think, of the driving force with this team. It needs to start at the top. Starts with the starters. Conley and Gobert need to play better in tandem. 
I thought they did to some extent last night. Kyle Anderson is like weirdly the most consistent piece and the most like erratic at the same time. And that drives the rhythm in different directions. And then I think probably most importantly, and when I was watching the game last night, obviously a really good Jaden game, but I think I'm at the point at saying the two most impactful players on this team right now, night tonight, are Ant and Jaden. I don't really mean that as like shade on Rudy. I just think people watching this team consistently, the most impactful players are those two guys who are the 21 or 21 and 22 year olds. You wrote about that in your your game story last night. Why 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 was that that that's the area that you wanted to focus on and, and what stood out about their performances against the Clippers last night? I think the biggest thing for me, and it's almost been like clairvoyant moments in this recent stretch here where like you see on a night to night basis, like do Ant and Jaden have it, you know, like are they bringing it? And you can kind of tell from the outset. And I think that's probably been true for this team all season. Like from the first quarter on do Ant and Jaden have like the juice and with Ant, that doesn't mean like a 10 point scoring burst. It doesn't mean that it's, it's totally watching the defensive end of the ball and like how much are these guys getting into their assignments? Like how much is Ant getting into the ball uh, when he's guarding guarding a ball handler? Same for Jaden. Like, you know, is Ant in the passing lanes? Are they just being disruptive? Um, because when they are, it's, they are such a good defensive team. Uh, and it's we great, see yeah. moments like that. Like it was all, it was really most of the game last night. Uh, you know, you can point to 75% of that Dallas game. Uh, there are there are so like the first quarter of that Wizards game where it's like, how are you going to score against this team? Uh-huh. And and that's kind of been the case all season is like when this when those two are really locked in, it's hard for this team not to be really good defensively. And with the personnel, especially with Cat out, like that's the identity of this team is are you going to be a really good defensive team? Has you to look at you look at the lineup and it's like it should be. It <laughs> damn sure should be right. like it. It's a fault of them if they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they're not a good they're... offensive team. Th- this no, right no, now and... is not a good offensive team. No. And that's and. The lineup doesn't say it should be. I right. mean, from my perspective, uh, the lineup says that like 108 to 101 sounds just right. Like, that should <laughs> yeah, be yeah. their winning formula. Yeah. you know. And there's nothing wrong with that because they should be able to kind of put teams in a vice like on a night to night basis. And but it's hard for 21 and 22 year olds to dig into that degree mm-hmm. on a night to night basis. So, like the habits just aren't in there like. I think it just hasn't sunk in. Like, I don't know when it'll sink in with Ant that, like, this is how we're actually going to win. And this is what determines what's really a great game for me and this team or not. Uh, But if it ever gets there, it could be fantastic. Uh, But it's going to be inconsistent. I think that's why, like, some games are horrible and some games are great for this team. Um, Because, like, those two guys set the tone. And if they're setting the tone, then it's probably just not going to be an every night thing when they are in such early stages of their career and them setting the tone is doing hard things, right? It's, it's playing defense, locking in, like playing defense with the intensity that they did last night is hard. And I know everybody's like, well, you should play You're paid this much money. You should do that every night. If it was easy, way more guys would do it. Yes. It's hard. And they're asking them to do hard things on a night to night basis. It's hard to expect them to come through every single time and, and do it without fouling. Like there yeah. was, you know, at the beginning, of the, I mean, Jaden, again, just actually the Warriors game, too. It's like you watch the first quarter and you're like, dude, Jaden McDaniels looks tough to score on. Like mm-hmm. if he is anywhere involved in the play, it just makes it tough. And then I think it was like five minutes into the Warriors game. He picks up that second foul and then he's got to go to the bench. You know, and you're watching the Clippers game. He picked up like one really early. It was kind of like a sloppy one. And I'm just thinking there. I'm like, man, he cannot get his second in this first quarter because with Jaden it's to me it's different than Ant it's like it's this rhythm that like inspires his intensity and once you break that up once he gets frustrated with the foul right like then he seem he kind of has to be more tepid right and and that makes him so significantly worse of a player once he's thinking about it once he's more tepid and you know I don't know if that's the youthfulness whatever it just it just changes things for him and then Ant it's also kind of a youth thing of a lack of experience, but it's it's the focus, the, it's the energy, it's the tenacity, it's the saving the energy to get you thirty on the deep on the offensive side while also playing defense. And it's like if and when you confuse those two things together, and you can just see it's like 
you know, three minutes into the game, does he still look like he's like recovering from his 4 p.m. nap or is he like there, you know? And and if he's there and if Jaden's not in foul trouble, like this team is legit, like good. I I, I really like even even when you're missing cat, like I, I, I see that it's just what percentage of the time are you going to get that right? And and they 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 got it last night uh, against the Clippers. They got like you said against Dallas. I think they had that a uh, you know a couple weeks ago. How much are you going to get that down the stretch, particularly in this stretch without Carl, who can't just who if and when he comes back will probably buoy a lot of this right. Um, how often are you going to get that over these last eighteen games or whatever it is? I really think that is going to determine if you get up out of the play-in or maybe, I mean, it could, it's still a tough 18 games. Like if you don't get that consistently, you could drop down to the 10 and even, even out. Uh, I I'm a hundred percent with you that to me, driving winning on this team is currently constructed without D'Angelo Russell now. And with Carl out of the mix, it's, it really is the the 21 and the 22 year old who are, yeah, are driving the, driving the ship right now. And, you know, and they're, they're getting help from, from Rudy and Conley too. I thought that was one of one of their better games, but it it, it starts with the young guys right now. It, it does, and if you think about it, it really kind of has all season, right? Like it, even when cats out there and whatnot, like the tone is still set by Ant and Jaden, like just like it was last year by energy. It was it's by energy, and mm-hmm. and last year it was more consistent because Jared Vanderbilt would bring that every single night. Like, or at least 90% of the time. There were some lost, weeks they would lose like, the 10% of the games that he did it. 100%. It'd be like, that dude is hurt. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, he should, he needs a break. You can mm-hmm. tell that. Or like, and Pat Bev, it was pretty consistent. You know, uh, you know, probably 80%. Like, Vando definitely brings, you know, 100% more than anybody else does. Right. Uh, and, and that's why that team was so good and consistent on a night-to-night basis. You can talk about injuries, whatever. Like, they brought it every mm-hmm. single night. Uh, and... That's why coming into this year, like that was a major question for all of us. Like, who's going to do that? And Chris Finch, and I wrote this in my story, like in training camp said, like, oh, we think in the starters, it'll be Ant and Jaden. And, and I think I you and I that. did a podcast right after that availability. It was like, that's not really what they've always done. <laughs> I'm not sure that they're going to do it on a night to night basis. Yeah. And guess what? They haven't. Mm-hmm. And when they do, this team is awesome. And when they don't, this team stinks. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what it comes like. If, if your tone setters are going to be two young guys, like who are still getting that consistency down, which is true of every young player, even the elite ones. Like that's going to be the end result. You're going to be around 500. They, they, I think it's super encouraging that they dial it up to the degree they do against the best of the best because it shows the peak. Like the true peak is that when they're at it, they can go at it against anybody. Um, But it it makes sense then that, you know, they're maybe not going to bring the juice for a matchup that they don't deem that they're not as excited right. for, um, you know, and they're going to have high highs and low lows. I think the highs are definitely more indicative of where this could go. Uh, but the lows, you just hope that eventually you can root out those lows. Um, and they're at least not nearly as common as they are now. Do you feel um, that they're getting a little bit more backup in that effort category now from Jordan McLaughlin back and, the addition of Nikhil Alexander Walker to the rotation. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with it. Like it, those guys, energy effort, whatever only helps if the top guys are doing it. But, yeah. But I'm, I mean, I've been pretty impressed with Nikhil in, in this, in this stretch here. And, and it's because it's like of that energy, right. That, that you right. see this team is, we've talked all year about, Oh my gosh, we need another guy who can get up in the ball and compete defensively in that sort of way. And that, like, in and of itself made Austin Rivers intriguing for, like, two, three months of the year just because nobody else was consistently doing it. Now I feel like, you know, Rivers' play has dropped off some, but he still plays hard. Jordan McLaughlin always plays hard. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker, like, that has been, a con- like, a consistent force of effort from be- behind those guys in the backcourt, I think goes a really long way compared against when it was Jalen Noel in the backcourt, Bryn Forbes, some other guys like that who, I don't know, it's not in their makeup, it's not in their skill set necessarily to be that, you know, bust their ass, like, worker defensively. I think this team, ultimately, even if you got, like, Vando, Pat, Bev levels of consistency of effort from Ant Jaded, I still think this team would need more behind them. And I'm, at least in the immediate, more encouraged by, like, the backup guard wing depth to be able to to provide some of that 
what's what stood out to you about uh, Nikhil over these whatever five six games it's been? Yeah, and I, I'm with you. It's that he plays really hard and he really digs in. And we knew like he could be a defensive presence. Like Mike Conley even talked about that. He's got great hands and whatnot. Like, but he wants it. He wants to be good on that end of the court as Dude, well. He plays like, angry. He, I like, think you can kind of like there are some plays offensively where it's like, oh, I don't know. What are you doing there or whatever? But you can put up with that um, when he's playing, like you said, that angry, that hard with that much intensity on the defensive end. The thing about being a great defensive team is it can't dip when your bench comes in because it's so hard to turn the tide back. It's not like, yep. OK, we just played four minutes of god awful defense but now Jaden's back in there so now this <laughs> this opponent you know is flowing they have a ton of confidence shots are falling Jaden's gonna go in there and that's gonna end all of that like it doesn't work that way it has to be a consistent particularly when he where, gets in and then picks up his fourth follow yeah <laughs> right 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 you know like uh, but it has to be like it can't it can't really dip it's got to be the intensity the execution might falter a little bit. Things might be a little bit easier be- for the opponent because you're not Jaden Long or whatever. But they still have to work for everything. Right. Um, and and J-Mag, I think, looked the most like J-Mag I've seen maybe all year last night. Or at least, you know, since since before the injury. Like, for that was sure. the most J-Mag game where, you know, loose ball, steals, whatever. Um, it was just much more him. Nikhil just continues to play really hard. Like, the second unit was outworking the Clippers' second unit. So that tone, you know, that Ant and Jaden kind of set carried forward Nas like in this in Nas's first stint like the way he was just hammering the glass and everything like he was playing like his hair was on fire you know like it was it it never dipped so like the starters didn't have to come in and like reset anything like right. it was just a continuation of what they had already done um I think it does need to be that kind of continuity throughout both lineups um if you're going to be this type of team that's winning be a defense effort and those are things that translate to a good playoff team too so like if that's the base you're setting, I think that's awesome. Um, it's just a hard base to set. But, you know, like last night shows that they can do it. Jace, I, I want to talk about Nas and J-Mac uh, specifically. I thought it was interesting the way Finch chose to rotate them. Let's grab our first break and then uh, get into those two. Today's show was brought to you by The Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is the MVP of the business game. With their advanced marketing techniques, they've helped over 300 brands generate over $3 billion in retail sales. So if you're an entrepreneur with any size brand or product, they're the best in the business. And for being fans of the pod, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI technology that helps founders uncover the true potential of their brand. Find out how big your brand or product should be. Don't let your competition steal the lead. Email them at grow at thegenesiscompany.com and claim your spot at the top of the game. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. Today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and I want to let you know with this week with the Wolves playing the Clippers at 9 p.m. on Tuesday and the Lakers at 9 p.m. on Friday, that Falling Knife will stay open late until the end of those games. So if you're worried about maybe the brewery closing early, know that Falling Knife will be open with the game on the projector screens on both Tuesday and Friday. If you're looking for a place to go watch the game with friends or other Wolves fans, uh, Falling Knife has just been a a cool sponsor of this this podcast for me this year as I've seen them kind of cultivate a Wolves community over there at Falling Knife. So even if you're a little frustrated with this team, uh, but you're still still wanting to watch them, uh, head over to Falling Knife to have some beers this week, take in the game uh, in, in a cool environment. That's uh, Falling Knife Brewing Company in Northeast Minneapolis. They're located just off of Broadway Avenue. All right, we are back with Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. Jace, um, I noticed... During the game, the, the the first shift, which has happened a couple times since Conley's been here, that both Gobert and Conley subbed out together. And at that time, both Nas Reed and J-Mac checked in together, you know, a 5-1 shift change. And if you look at it, this for the game, they did that the entire time. Rudy Gobert played all of his 29 minutes and 14 seconds next to Mike Conley, who also played 29 minutes and 14 seconds. And then Jordan McLaughlin and Nasri had played 18 minutes and 46 seconds. And I think, I think it's in theory, right, a good idea to keep Conley and Rudy together for as much of the game as you can. If you know you're not going to have that drop off from your bench, because we've seen it, we've seen it recently where you do go to these bench units, you do go to Nas and J-Mac. And and it falls off, right? And and it makes you go, well, maybe we should have had Rudy out there, like with the second unit, or maybe con- maybe we needed a point guard to like, or somebody who could shoot more to be able to run out there rather than it being J Mac. I thought it was so big last night that the Wolves not only held serve, 
with with the in the J Mac and Nas minutes, but actually in that like late first quarter, second quarter, those guys are out there for nine minutes. They they check into the game, they're down by nine. The Wolves are down by nine. And then the Wolves play for nine minutes with J Mac and Nas on the floor. They win those minutes by by seven points. And you brought it back to a close game. Rudy and Conley come back in. They win their minutes at the end of the first half by four points. And you got a two-point lead. They went back and forth with that the whole time. I thought, uh, I mean, it is the recipe, if you know you can get that from Nas and J-Mac, how to maximize Rudy and Conley. But what do you think about this like big picture as a strategy of like, we are completely going to glue the Conley and Gobert minutes together and as a byproduct need to replace that with with Nas and J-Mac. How, how successful do you think that can be long-term? I love it because... Like J Mac needs to play with other scores because this whole thing is that he kind of sets the table for scores and he's not really a scoring threat himself. He needs to be the type of threat he was last night where like, look, if the lane's there, you gotta take it. Mm-hmm. Uh you've gotta get in and attack the rim and maybe that leads to a shot for someone else or whatever. And you've gotta pull wide open threes. Uh you have to do that and you have you probably gotta knock it down at least at like a thirty-eight percent clip. Like these are open looks. Mm-hmm. Uh but like the the more of a scoring threat you can have, the more he can look for like a Nas. He can set a table for a Nas. That's just much easier in the pick and roll, pick and pop game um, than it is when he's out there with Rudy. Like J Mac and Rudy, they haven't had a ton of time together, but there's clearly not a lot of chemistry there. Like I don't think they've really figured out how to play with one another. And Nas is just more of a scoring threat. And playing with like a J Mac, the more touches, the more offense can be run through Nas, the better he is because it's easier yep. for him to establish his rhythm. Um, and that's where he kind of gets on those little dynamic, like three, four minute runs where it's like nobody can guard this dude. Uh, I think Torian out there adds a lot because he's also a scoring threat. Like he's not asked to do it a ton, but like he has a lot of offensive game. Uh, so I, I think there's just enough balance that they can get out there where like they can score enough um, with when you can get TP and Nas, like they're shooting, there's, there's some guys who can attack off the bounce and they, that's where you can get to just really good move the ball playoff the catch offense that that like last year that second unit was so good at mm-hmm. yeah i it we talk all the time about how like kyle anderson's been this like bellwether of competence right for for the team all season and and i think that's kind of overshadowed what tp's done and you know he missed the tp's is hard yeah because it's been in and out yeah exactly out, you know but you appreciate I, it when it's there and then you forget about it because it's gone i think i i think the record with Torian Prince and games that he's played this year is 22 and 16 uh, for the Wolves. And not that that's the, the perfect metric to, to do it, but I think that meets the eye test at least, right? Like you feel a greater chance of the Wolves being able to win these games when Torian Prince is in them. And I think particularly so in this time where Cat's been out, right? Like when TP missed the two games, the first two games out of the break for personal reasons, it just, and I don't know, maybe some of this is on Finch, but it just seems to just mess up the rotations. And you get to these all bench units that don't have a ton of like shooting around them. And even just Torian being in the mix in those, not that he's like in 2K rating form, like significantly higher than Jalen Noel or Nikhil Alexander-Walker, whatever. It's just the type of player, maybe the maturity of a player that I think just normalizes that bench group so much. And it just reminds me of this like kind of January, February, March of last year with how good that bench was. That's when remember TP started like really bad last year. And then it was something like 44% from three on pretty good volume. The whole like second half final three months of the season. I think he's so critical to this thing, particularly in this next week, two weeks, three, whatever it is without cat to, to keep this team competent and to have, all the power forward minutes go to Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince. Never have to get weird by siding Jaden up to the four. Ants played a decent amount of four. Like these weird, like the weird three, four guard lineups that have they've had to try out over these past 30, 40 catless games. Just it's hard to like point to what exactly the numbers are because it's been so many different groups. But to my mind, it sucks, you know? And to be able to have like Torian Prince and or Kyle Anderson in there as much as possible. I, I, I think that's huge. And, you know, tying a, a solid TP for performance to J-Mac and Nas working well to Nikhil Alexander-Walker providing something else. It's like, oh yeah, this is what a bench looks like. Oh yeah, a team that's missing Cat 
and has aspirations of being over 500. It is like a requirement, I think, in this time right now that the bench, when we look at the plus minus at the end of the night, you know, these guys are in the positives or, or right around zero. It, it It's going to be hard if we're looking at a game and it's halftime and it's like minus eight, minus four, minus six across the board. Like the bench seems so important to me. It seems more important to me now post Delo trade than it did before. And I guess that's just injecting more offensive competence into the game over time. I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel significantly better about the bench when Torian Prince is in the mix. I mean, as much as anything, like everything you said, I totally agree with. Um, and then it's it's like I didn't like I, there are certainly games where I have not liked Chris Finch's rotations. I have not liked the lineups. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. It's not going to work. Yep. But like when you don't have like TP out there and you're, looking, What's and you're the like, option? Well, player <laughs> A, B and C are all playing horrible basketball for the yeah. last two weeks. At least two of them have got to be in there. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, right. but when you can now pick like, OK, Torian Prince is out there. And I can choose based off matchups now if I want to play like Nikhil, Alexander Walker, or Austin Rivers and not instead have to be like, well, these other guys need breaks. We've got Austin Rivers, Nikhil, Alexander Walker, and Jalen Noel all out there. And two of those three are playing horrible basketball right, right now. But we're trying to steal some minutes here. Like, it it just, he now has options where like... Perfect example like, is Austin only played in the first half last night. Six yeah, minutes of the first half and, didn't and have to come back. And it's kind of diagnosing like, what did he give us? Uh... What do we need out there? Like, these are decisions you can actually make versus being like, who else is going to eat those minutes? <laughs> like, people are like, Wendell Moore. I'm like, Wendell Moore is, has barely played this year. And it looks, some nights it's like, okay. And some nights it's like, nope, shouldn't be out there. Should not well, be out and, there. And it's like, and I know a lot of people are just on like, oh, I they think Finch is a bad coach. But it's like, we, how many minutes of non-garbage time has Wendell Moore played this year? Like 60, you know? Yeah. It's right. like. And we can, I, I, at times, obviously that Grizzlies game comes to mind. I'm like, man, if you could get that player from, but it's like Chris Finch is watching Wendell Moore and the whole coaching staff is watching Wendell Moore every day in practice and has something from that has stood out to the point where they go, even when we've been desperate for wing help, for wing defense help, they still don't want to go to it. So it's one of two things. Wendell Moore isn't ready. Or Chris Finch is completely missing the boat here. And and to me, I just, I think you got to rely on the guy who's watching him every single night. And that doesn't mean that Wendell Moore isn't part of the future of this team or anything. It's like, this is just the group. Like, this is the group now. This is the bench unit. It's going to be TP, J-Mac, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Nas, like, once Cat's back, I guess I assume he's out of the rotation. Maybe he gets some bit spots there. But it's kind of going to be that. And then maybe Austin Rivers plays when Jaden McDaniels is in foul trouble. I just kind of think we now know what the rotation is, who the nine, ten best players are in this team, how they fit positionally. Like, it's the starters. Kyle maybe moves. Kyle does move to the bench when Cat's back. So then it's Kyle TP, J-Mac, Nikhil Alexander-Walker off the bench. That, that seems like the nine of this team right now with Nas getting in the mix here and there. And I think, like, Kyle, if you could get him down to, like, 26 minutes a game, I think that's just better for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, he's he's going to have more gas in the tank. Like, last night, I, I don't know if he got to maybe 30. Uh, but either way, that was playing all 12. Mm-hmm. of, And that was because of foul trouble. But he played all 12 in the fourth. Like, he's more important in closing time, and we'll talk about this a little later. But I think if you can get Cap back, and then one of the byproducts can be just lowering Anderson's mm-hmm. minute load, I think that you'll get a better, more consistent version of him throughout the entire game. Uh, but you're, I mean, I, we talk about this a lot, but like, if you're not going to have, it sucks if you're not going to be able to play Nays Reed. Um, Nays. And, <laughs> because like, I mean, he makes some plays throughout the game where I'm like, that was a boneheaded decision. Oh, um, and, a lot, and yeah. like some of the fouls are just so dumb, but like his skill set and just the consistent effort he brings, it's like watching him mature and develop and like and i i think the boneheaded plays should fade away with time like he is ascending at such an awesome rate but what what is the what is the option i I I don't no no i'm with you i don't think i mean no no maybe there is an option i i don't think there is i don't think he should play power forward minutes i don't want to watch that you know like i don't i mean 
yeah, I don't. I, I'm. I'm not. I'm as for as little big ball as you can possibly play. <laughs> um, and you know, if you're going to have to play some of it with Cat and Rudy, but I don't think you should double down with Nas four. But he's just played in in a vacuum. You can get frustrated with the silly plays, but in a vacuum, he's been really great. And it's you can see him get better and better and better and be such a problem. Like like LeBron James is not just going to tweet. You know, you're not going to shout out Nate's Reed for no reason. You know, like it, it's it's a great player being like, wow, this dude has some serious game, and and Nate's is 23. You know, like <laughs> we're just it was the, the tweet now. was for all the Nate stairs out there. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it will I it will be we- I will get it uh, if he does. Yeah, play. I will totally get it. It will be weird though, and and you know whatever that then it ties into like why did you keep him at the deadline? Are you going to extend him? All this and that, um, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I know the the like net rating plus minus is whatever. Don't totally indicate it, uh, but I just think Nas has pretty clearly been a positive player this season, uh, a needed player for this team in a lot of weird, different roles, starting off the bench, different bench units. Like it, that's why the numbers look so bad. It's yeah. like the different roles, playing some four, playing in some really under-equipped bench units. You yeah. know, like I mean. When he starts, he plays like the numbers are great. You, mm-hmm. I know you talked about that before, but like that's that's just the truth. Like when he when he when he knows what his role is on a given night and within the contract of the offense and is playing alongside like an ant, like it's really good. It is, you know, and yeah, it will it'll be busy. and like you know if he's out, like what does that mean for J Mac? Who like who's the second unit big right? Are we gonna Cat, rotate? I mean, like if it's Cat and J Mac and Ant, you know, like that makes sense to me. I guess I'm just trying to like. I don't know, and this is a bigger like topic and yeah, an important one, but like the the functionally rotating a uh, cat Rudy stagger, it's I think we're all pretty much on the same page that you got to try and stagger that as much as possible. But I think within the stagger, you have to figure out you know who are the guys that the surrounding pieces when it's cat at center, like cat the only big or Rudy the only big who you want to put around those things and it's it's kind of tricky and we've learned over the course of the season that like maybe it isn't so obvious as put cat with the defender and put rudy with the shooter like seems like rudy and kyle are is rudy's best pairing that way yep. and and max out your defense max out your offense but that's the hard part again of like do you want to be a great defensive team because it's hard to go from being an offensive lineup defensive lineup right. offensive lineup defensive lineup and like when Cat comes back, the tricky thing is they are going to become a better offensive team. So it doesn't put quite as much pressure on your defense. Right. The defense is going to get worse. Like Kyle Anderson at the four versus Cat at the four, it's going to get worse. Like it's that automatically adds another, like, like that lineup that they put out there now can put teams in hell because it's like, where do we go? Like, where is there somebody we can go to the ball with that isn't going to be like pressured? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there isn't really an option. When Cat's out there, now Cat's guy is going to be able to like, be a release valve that you can then play off of on the perimeter, you know, do like a throw it to that guy. He's inevitably got some space and then run off of that, you know, in like a dribble handoff or whatever. Like yep. they, make they're not move. going to be as dynamic defensively. That's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And though again, but that goes to the stagger of like, I think you can hold on to, I'm talking end of game, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I know I'm, I'm with you end of game. And again, at the beginning of the season, we, we saw teams do this to cat. I mean, the, both against Phoenix and Golden State, like that split action like type thing where Cat needs to kind of navigate to off the ball. Like that's a hard thing to do. And that's a hard thing to do for like a Robert Covington, you know? Right. And right. and Cat just doesn't have that type of body. So how does that fit? But that again, th- these are the reasons why because I mean some people probably think, you know, play Cat and Rudy as much as you can together and like maximize that. That's why you made this trade. Yes, like to some extent, those two to a, a real extent, those two are going to need to play together, but you do need to get to the stagger because if for nothing else, I think you can get more of that, like put teams in hell type of lineup. Cause you can put four defenders around Rudy or four defenders around more importantly, four defenders around cat. And then cat just needs to navigate it as the five, which he's done before, not well in drop coverage, better and more aggressive coverage. But again, these are the buttons that Finch, Mike and Nori and all them have have to have been thinking about how they're going to press when it comes back because it's going to determine 
it's going to determine the success of this. The ro- the way it rotates and who is around these players, I I think is huge. And I'm just I'm glad or hopeful, like knock on wood, that it's going to be a pretty healthy roster if and when you know Cat gets back. Right now, I mean, you got Jalen Noel dealing with the left knee thing, but pretty Not much sure he'd be this, playing anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if he's going to be in the rotation. So Finch plays him. Endlessly, so it probably would be against <laughs> what I would think. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we don't know. No, but it'll and, it'll be interesting. And the cat thing is like, I'm just working off of because you know we never get anything. But like what Ant said right after the break, what Austin Rivers said on his podcast, it kind of suggests we're maybe like five games away. Mm-hmm. That yeah. from at least the timeline that players seemed comfortable enough to kind of like what I've been hearing, or it seems like. Uh, so we are kind of moving towards that quickly. I know, like. You know, if you're a Wolves fan, you're probably like, big Clippers win. Here we go. Let's listen to people talk about this. And inevitably, <laughs> we always go down that when Cat comes back right, uh, <laughs> road like we always do. But that's kind of why I think it's important right now is it It seems like it's coming. It seems like it's, mm-hmm. two weeks is probably a good bet from right now, I would think, from like what at least what players think. Let, really quick, like 60 seconds. What if you get like 10, 12 games of Cat regular season, what do you like? How much? can they figure out in that time like in advance of the playoffs like you're going to grow some in that time how much can you grow towards quote-unquote figuring it out with cat is that enough time probably not to reach like your maximum potential um you can be you can be competent you can figure out things that will work right now um you can probably figure out like a rotation that you feel pretty comfortable with and then like concepts yeah, like Rudy that. that will work for now, you know, like it's not going to be your optimal version and, and you probably won't have like a ton of different things you can go to, but you probably have like a base of like, well, this should work, you know, it's kind of like counters that you won't have a counter. You won't have a counter to somebody's yeah. counter in the playoffs, uh, but you'll probably have something. And maybe then you can more game plan that out when it comes to play in game or a playoff yeah. series of yep. like, yeah, this- like one throw practice, the rest of that around ahead of it. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the hope. Right. And I, and I don't, I don't think that's, that's crazy. I think 10, 12 games is something, you know, it's less. If it doesn't look competent by the end of those 12 games. I think you can put up red flags. Yes. I mean, I think that's enough time to be like, at the end of that, be like, this still sucks. If it you looks know, like, if it looks like the first 12 games, absolutely. Even though it will have as many excuses as the beginning of the yep. year did with the guys being out and stuff. It's just like, at some point, you know, $80 million to these two players. We got to find competence through adversity. You know, like, right. it's just, it's just got to happen. Okay. One more break. We'll be back with Jason. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jace, uh, one final segment here. We were... uh... You and I were texting the other day um, just about this this team in the clutch um, and and how they've been really underwhelming recently. We did get a clutch game last night uh, from the same group that has been underwhelming of late, and um, they handled it. It was, again, one clutch time has been good for this team. Kyle Anderson has has been good on it, and and he certainly was last night. That read he had with like 30 seconds left where Ant had the ball above the the left wing and they're kind of doing their little horns V2 sort of action thing that they always do late in the games. Kyle just cuts right to the strong side block, drops it off to Rudy. I think everybody saw this play, kind of sealed the game. It's that type of intellect from this team in clutch time 
has been so rare this, this season. Those little things, which is a pretty high level, like pretty high level recognition and, and comfort. But Kyle really seems to drive that more than anyone else does on this team. And uh, I guess kind of tying back into the cat thing too. It's like, man, it feels like you can't close games even when cat's back with Kyle Anderson off the floor. He is the most consistently positive player late in games. Not that he hasn't had his flaws too, uh, you know, a couple of bad mistakes in, in recent games in the clutch, but he's, he's pretty clearly been the the best clutch player. What, what's kind of stood out to you um, from, in, from clutch? I think the last four games have all uh, touched at the three losses and then the win against the Clippers. What's, what stood out to you uh, in clutch time recently? Well, how high level is it to make a backdoor cut when your defender is ball watching? Because I've seen that happens to the Timberwolves five times a game. Like Santi Aldama will back cut on somebody who's not watching. Yeah, well, Isn't but, that but, high but level? Santi Aldama will do that on D'Angelo Russell and did. It was Kyle Anderson back cut on Kawhi yeah, Leonard. But you see your guy is not watching you at all. My, my point like, is, is that Kawhi can react to that and go contest the shot, get it a little. Where D'Lo is just more like, okay, play's over. We're going to play on offense. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I just, I think like the idea of recognizing at least who make a cut in that yes, situation yes. is not as high level. But to your point, it Nobody else happen. does it. Yeah, yeah, Nobody yeah. else does it. Yeah. And so I went from like watching, you know, like watching the V2 sets that you always said. And I always said like Kyle Anderson had to be involved in it. I mean, they're, you know, on the elbow or with the ball. But then at the same time, it's like maybe he has to be the guy in the corner so that that guy in the corner is an active participant in the play and not sure. just standing and catching and, and hoping to catch and shoot like yeah. everybody else just assumes their job is mm -hmm. like don't play basketball. Just wait, uh, and the ball might come to you. Just be super stagnant. And, that is and you can almost take advantage. You can be sneaky if guys don't think you're a shooter. Like, Kawhi was ball watching because he goes, I'm on Kyle Anderson. If they swing, swing here for Kyle Anderson in the corner, I can be on the opposite side of the floor and get out to contest that by the time he yeah, click, sure. click, 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 right. you know, gets that, you know, gets that shot off. So there's like, he is this weird sort of sneak attack and like, and he, and can an open if he has time. I think knock down uh, a corner three. But I, I, you're right. I would have said before this game. No, Kyle Anderson needs to be probably the point guard in that action right there, at least to just start it, because you don't want his non-shooting to be a factor. But there are ways. You're right that that he can be impactful there too. It's it's just like when people go, you know, ants forcing up bad shots, and they're like, well, what else? I mean, who else is he going to go to? It's like you can compensate for offense by just being smart and playing smart basketball yeah. all the time. Like. If Kyle Anderson knows, like, okay, Kawhi Leonard is playing me honestly here, well, then guess what? You just kind of let the V2 play out um, mm -hmm. because you have created the proper space in the middle of the court for it. Yep. And if your defender's sagging way in and paying no attention to you, now you have to be a threat and figure out the multiple ways you can be a threat. It, it kind of, like, brought me back to, like, when I played, like, middle school basketball. <laughs> like, from, like, fifth grade to eighth grade, we had, like, the same youth coach, shout out Joe Pavlicek, and we run the same motion offense for four years and it was a lot of down screens come up throw the ball look in the post if that guy's not there he goes screens for another guy he might come over and post we swing whatever same motion offense could look really boring and 95 percent of the time we did the same stupid things like we didn't we did no variations out of it even though every single day in practice the coach would be like okay but you can curl here okay <laughs> you can back screen here okay this is really easy right here to create, a high, yeah. to create a high low look uh mm -hmm. you know like there are 10 different things you can do out of this. And like the one time somebody would do like a curl cut, they'd be wide open and they'd get a layup and the coaches would be like, yes, thank you. You guys <laughs> you can do these things. Did you see how yeah. Johnny just did that? Like everybody should be looking for that. Yeah. And we had, and that would be the only time it would happen. And nobody would do it the rest of the game um, because we were dumb, um, <laughs> you know, like, and we just, we just did the basic you thing. Were young. We were lazy. Yes. We were lazy, you know, like, mm -hmm. and that's what I think so often watching basketball. It's like, why aren't the Wolves running any plays late in these games? Uh, you know, everybody's just standing around. It's stagnant. The players are standing around and being stagnant. Like Kyle Anderson just made a read last night. All of these options are available to guys just out of like these base structures all the time. This is um, the Finch. This is the Finch idea. This is Finch's coaching right. philosophy and people can disagree with it, but, but he believes there is greater value in the optionality of the randomness. Randomness. Making yes. reads and adjusting off of it. You have the capability. Everybody's like, what a play from Chris Finch. And then they're like, oh, it was just Kyle Anderson making a choice there. That's what Chris Finch wants them to do. Yes. <laughs> like, and that and that 
that is better than anything else you can come up with. Like how, how great was that look last night? And it's just off making an obvious read of what's in front of you and mm-hmm. reacting, you know, like operate within the construct, learn the game. And now aunt Jaden, whoever Jaden should watch that and go, Oh, Kyle did that. I'm in the corner a lot. So often I'm left alone in the corner and I've been missing a lot of these open corner threes. Maybe I should look for other ways in which my guy's not paying attention to me. I can make that same cut. Yeah. Like, Read and react, learn the game, grow. I understand that it might be hard for like a Jaden and Ant to consistently do that. It's going to lead to some stagnation, but you're the best version of your team when guys do learn the game to that level. That has to be option one, right? Like playing, reading off of that randomness of the space in these clutch time late game things. That has to be option one. And sometimes like it's not going to be there. You're not going to have a read. Kawhi Leonard's not going to be ball watching whatever it might be, and it's going to devolve more into, in that, it's going to be 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and it's going to be more of a isolation situation. And then, Ant, like, go ahead, like, go to your Kobe bag, right? And and try and do it, because we got nine seconds, we don't really have much left to do. What I think has plagued this team, and why they've been one of the worst clutch offenses for so much of the season, is that has be, was option one. And it doesn't matter if it's Anthony Edwards or Paul George or Kobe Bryant doing it there. Like those shots in isolation with two minutes left in the game, guys just don't make those at a above 50% clip. No. They just don't. You, they never have. And if you look did. at like, you think clutch, uh, clutch numbers, like Ant's clutch shooting numbers are bad, right? But I was looking at all the best players. Guess what? They're bad. Uh, mm-hmm. These numbers are not good. There are a lot of guys who are shooting 35 to 40% because they're taking the tough isolation mm-hmm. jump shots. Those do not go in at a high rate. Like, ideally, it is your role players uh, getting better looks through various things. Maybe it's driving kick. Maybe it's a beautiful cut. Whatever the case is, like, true offense is so mm-hmm. much better. And anytime somebody's like, run a play, how many plays are out there? Like, it's hammer and what else is anybody really running like that? I watch yeah. a lot of these late games. Like I'll turn on league pass teams, take a bunch of junk shots late right. in games. Like I, I think like kind of the randomness that made, if you just continue to play the way you're supposed to play all game, that seems better than a lot of what the like crunch time offenses is that these teams have, which is pretty much non-existent. Well, it's like, it's, it's a math thing, right? Like, so the wolves are, I, I don't know. I didn't check it after tonight, but I know going into the the Clippers game, the Wolves are thir- had the third worst clutch offense, and it was like offensive rating of ninety nine something, which means yep. right that a fifty percent two point shot, right? Yep. That is the worst offense in in clutch time, or like the the I think the Rockets or the Spurs are worse, and they're ninety six. So that's a forty eight percent two point shot is is what that's saying. It's the worst offense. What are the odds of Ant going in isolation late in the game and pulling up from 17 feet? Like, what? what's the percentage on that? I don't think it's even 48%. I, I don't even think it gets you to the level of the worst clutch time offense in the league. The things that drive this are easy buckets, like that drive you over 100, drive you up to the 110, the 120s. Like the teams that are really good in clutch is that they're getting out in transition as much as possible in clutch time. And they're driving, penetrating, kicking, getting open threes, finding cutters for and ones. That's how you juice this up. Isolation in clutch is always going to be bad offense. And sometimes you have to take it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, there's going to be the times where there's eight, nine seconds left with 36 seconds left in the game. It's like, okay, and go ahead, cook, like do what you got to do. Let's hope it's 48% that you make this. But if that is your primary function of sustenance in the clutch, you are going to be a bad clutch team as the Wolves are and and have been for the first 30 games this year that they played clutch type opportunities. So it has to be option two. And Ant needs to understand that because I think where he's going in his head and shit, I would have done the same thing when I was 21. And I was like, it's like, give me the ball in the clutch. I'm going to go score here in these situations. Situationally, yes, as the your main diet of offense, no, you will lose close games, and in the playoffs, you'll lose even more because every one of those games is going to be is going to be close. Every one of those games is going to be more bogged down in that sort of way. They need to find more efficient offense overall, and they have to find it in the clutch. And both times, first forty five minutes of the game or the last three, it's always going to be made better by ball movement. We know that that is what Finch 
has designed this all around. And until that really sinks into Ant more than anyone else, this team is going to to struggle. And that's going to be a learning process. But he's 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 got to do it, man. It's got to be more at the basket, less MJ stuff. It it just it that's not there yet. And and hopefully it's always a kind of last resort type of type of option. They have the personnel to be able to play random and effectively in the clutch. And I, I hope they learn from this game that, like, like you said with Jaden, do that. Like, do that. They can do this. And and like, I will give Ant credit. When Kyle made that cut, he looked for it. He yeah. saw it, and he made that pass. Like, totally. It's, it's it as much as it's on Ant, and it is like, uh, it's also on everybody else to be active participants in the play. It's mm-hmm. it's the same thing as like off ball defense. Like, be an active participant. You know, don't mm-hmm. get caught sleeping. Don't just be standing there. Like, you you have to. Everybody's got to be like locked in on what's happening, paying attention, looking for opportunities, yeah. um, for for things like that to work. Like, I remember in that Charlotte game. Ant made like a tough contested three with like four minutes to go or something. And I would just like kind of shook my head like, yeah, the crowd goes nuts. Of course they will. Like it's a big shot, but like it's so unsustainable. Yeah. And sure enough, then in the last four minutes, they do the same things. He doesn't make those shots because they're difficult and they lose. Like you have find things that are more sustainable, be more, be less predictable because the hardest thing to do in the NBA is go against a stack defense where everybody knows where the ball's going. Uh, I think Kobe even said that about like James Harden. He's like, I know where the ball is going. Like, mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen in the last two minutes. That's way easier to defend. Um, and when you are that ball watcher, of everything, too. you're like, yeah. well, I'm right. going to be a, this is actually advantageous to be a ball watcher in that situation. Right. Right. You know, like, it, I, every, like, you have five guys out there for a reason. Utilize mm-hmm. them all. And more than just like Ant driving into a crowd and, and kicking out and, and, hoping that it's a good pass that hits a guy in a good position to shoot the ball. Like it's, it's, it's all very difficult and they can make life so much easier. And it's like the Kyle Anderson's of the world that kind of show you that just like watch, pay attention, make the right read, execute. Yes. And give yourself a 60% chance of scoring on this possession instead of 45. Uh, Last Wolves related thing, Jace. Um, Again, we were talking about this before the Clippers game. So I don't know how the, how the odds have moved, but we were texting about how, I think it was. I'll see if they have moved, but you go ahead and get yeah. the lines. Up. So it was DraftKings had the Wolves as plus odds to even make the play in, which which means that they either the Wolves are, are more likely than not to finish in the top six or out of the playoffs altogether, which, again, prior to the Clippers games, it's like, well, I don't think they're getting in the top six at all. So it seemed like the betting markets were betting on the Wolves not even making the top 10 in in the the clustered west. If you look at some things like 538, they disagree with that in terms of the Wolves odds of making the playoffs like it said when I was looking at it 47% of making the playoffs which means not only if you're in the play in winning the play in to get in there. Um where what is your perception of the Wolves likelihood of making the playoffs and how do you think that compares to what maybe the the greater public is thinking of the Wolves right now? Yeah, uh, so just to kind of DraftKings has the Wolves to make the play-in. It's off the board. Like, there's no Western Conference make the play-in number right now. There's no Wolves listed on the many teams to make the playoffs. FanDuel has the Wolves at plus 118 to make the playoffs. So almost even money to make the playoffs now. Um, Which means they would, if it was the play-in, they would need to win get their game through the play-in. Okay. Yep, yep, you need to get in through the play and into the playoffs. Um, and that's almost even money that they will be playing in a legitimate playoff series. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, that seems about right. Just looking at, it's not even my perception of the wolves because I don't look at last night as like, uh, you know, a big breakthrough moment. Um, we've seen too many like that where, <laughs> you know, they might come out and not bring the same defensive intensity and lose games again, but I'm just looking at the rest of the West and how everything is playing out. Like there are a lot of teams that are not, playing great basketball like portland is not good um portland just got obliterated in the second half by golden state last night they just don't have a lot outside of dame it looks like previous editions of the blazers they're still kind of stuck Mm -hmm. uh the lakers i would have said for sure that the lakers are a team that can make a legitimate push up top into that top eight or whatever um but then lebron being out i'd i'm kind of doubt if they're going to make the play-in if they make the play-in with lebron and he's back then yeah that's a major threat but the jazz Last night lost to the Spurs because I think I texted you this, but the bench that the Jazz were playing last night included Fontecchio, 
Chris Dunn <laughs> as a bouquet. Johnny Zhuzang played 15 minutes. <laughs> and Juan Toscano Anderson played seven. And then Rudy Gay played 17. It was like, it's not an NBA roster. Right. Like, I, I think I tweeted this, like, Houston would look at that bench rotation and cringe. Uh, <laughs> like, it, it, and that's kind of what they're trotting out. Like, Sexton's missing games. Clarkson's missing games. Um, it's not, I, I think Utah could fall off very quickly uh, because you can't play all those guys legitimate rotation minutes and say that you're contending for anything. Uh, and then the Pelicans, until Zion gets back, that team's a mess too. Like, yeah, it is. It is. Minnesota's probably better than them right now. So, like, there just aren't, like, it's, you look at the eight teams, it's like, yeah, I think the Wolves are the eighth best team. I'd slot them as eighth right now. And that's, that mm-hmm. makes the playoffs. Yeah. It, it, this is kind of a perfect example of how tight the West is. It's like, you know, if we would have talked 48 or when me and Britt were talking 48 hours ago, it was like, uh, like, you're like, I don't know. I was like about nine or 10, but it really can switch so quickly. I think the LeBron injury is pretty Huge. big from a, obviously from a getting into the playoffs sort of standpoint. If you're the wolves, like you play them twice more, <laughs> like Thursday's game becomes much. I mean, Friday's game becomes much more like that you win. Right. And it's not nearly as good of a team trying to chase you down now. Yeah, absolutely. And I I watched them last night before before the Wolves, and it's like, and I think a lot of people have watched the New Look Lakers since you know since they've gotten D'Lo and Vando and everyone like Beasley. They don't like it. Would like Anthony Davis played really well last night, and it was still like this is an extremely limited group. Like, I D'Lo adds the offense, which is yeah, yeah, and D'Lo and D'Lo has been out, so yeah, like that that you know that's a factor there too, but. But yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at this like a couple weeks ago, like before Shea got hurt for OKC. I was even like, I could see mm-hmm. them getting into the nine or ten, which is right. would be in the mix with the Wolves. The Lakers now seem significantly more questionable without LeBron. It's like Portland, okay, is good, is Dame gonna go full ballistic? Like it it seems to rely on that. The Pelicans have been a mess. Utah seems to want to tank so much, and that's already that's four teams right there, five teams right there. And then the wolves are eight. So it does feel in just 48 hours. I feel more cushion or a greater likelihood that the wolves are going to make the play on like 90%. They make the play in. Um, And, and now, and if you have that cushion, you can reasonably look ahead a little bit and be like, all right, if we go on a little bit of a run, I know the schedule's tough. Like you are really in range of, you're a half game behind Dallas who's working out some stuff themselves. The Clippers are just so inconsistent. Golden State still doesn't have a step back. Like Golden State's a five, a game ahead, you know, a game ahead of the Wolves. That that also it it remains not out of it. I feel like we've had this conversation like 15 times this season. It just does really feel like it changes night to night in the West. And where I'm sitting here on Wednesday morning, I'm like, yeah, uh, I do feel like the Wolves are in a tier above those teams who are currently at the bottom of the plan or, or out of it. Like I feel more confident that we are going to be covering at least one play in game with this team and yeah, 50, 50 to make the playoffs overall. That, that sounds about right to me right now. Right. Like getting the seven or eight and winning that plan to make it that, that, that seems to be the path in for this team. I mean, if, if you look at it from that perspective, it's hard to not think it's above 50%, right? Like, yeah. You'll get one playing game right now. I, eight just seems like where they're probably going to finish. Assuming Dallas just with all that offensive firepower, these teams above them have a lot of firepower. Like, but say you get one crack at that team, whether it's like a Dallas or a Golden State or whatever. And then like, if you lose that game, so you have like a 33% chance of winning that game. And then you have a game that you'll have a better than 50% chance of winning against. Right. Say it's the Pelicans and say Zion's back still at home. You'd think like, okay, I got a fair chance of winning that game. It feels like better than 50%. To me, and I, the West, cat, the West, in, cat in the mix yeah, too. Exactly, and now, and then we see what that looks like, and you know, hopefully, you're you've kind of gotten enough of that where you feel like you've really improved your roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the interesting thing to me in the West, as the Kings continue to win enough games to still be four games ahead of Phoenix in the loss column, yeah. is going to be teams wanting the to six. be six. Yeah, just be six. Yeah. Uh, you want to avoid the plan. But you don't want it to be five um, because Phoenix looks like they might just be four because the Kings aren't losing enough. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's going to be very interesting to watch that play out. Like teams would definitely want to play Sacramento or Memphis 
over Phoenix. And then you wouldn't mind being seven, but you don't want to have to play that playing game. Yep. No, six is the the sweet spot. And the Wolves might, because they can't get higher than that, they might luck their, their way into it. And we've talked about this before, too. Like, the Kings compared to the Suns, the Warriors are, I mean, it. It's actually no shade on the Kings. The Kings have been really good. And I was thinking about Kings kind of remind me of the Jimmy Butler Wolves that year. I know the Wolves ended up finishing the eight seed, but remember yeah. when they were like the three? They were like three. They were three until Jimmy got hurt. Yeah, just like not. I don't a, think they would have stayed at three, but they were three. Yeah, but like kind of that team that you don't believe in their upside, but you're like this team's for sure solid. Like that. That's that's what the that's what the Kings strike me as and if you are going to get into the end of the playoffs like that's kind of the the type opponent you want to get if you're the wolves or if you're anyone else all right chase let's uh let's wrap this up um with prize picks we're going to back on our prize picks chain of picking some stuff Uh, we don't have nfl to get to anymore i'll go real quick i watched the heat and sixers play um two nights ago they play again tonight so i feel i don't know jimmy looked incredible in that game speaking of um but i'm gonna say i watched that sixers heat game and I thought Joel Embiid should have had more. I think he had 27 in that game. So I'm going to say Joel Embiid over 29 and a half uh, against the Heat uh, tonight in Miami. And I'm going to take Tobias Harris under 13 and a half points. He only had two against Miami on uh, on Monday. So those are my two Sixers picks. Give me a big Joel Embiid night and Tobias Harris to kind of continue to to toil for them. What do you got? You're not. I know you're not going basketball. Yeah, okay, I'll go golf again. Um, I'm going to go with the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. The biggest thing is, like, it's a tough course in Bay Hill, and it's supposed to be windy this week. They're talking, like, this is going to be, like, major championship-like golf in a regular event. That just tells me to take overs, uh, take more than strokes on these things, um, especially in the first round here. So I will take uh, more than on Matthew Fitzpatrick at 71.5 to have more strokes than that. He's been kind of hurt and not playing great recently anyway and then i guess the other one i'll take um max homa uh 71 and a half he's always been a west coast guy they come back to florida he's playing really well but more than 71 and a half i just think a lot of guys are going to shoot higher scores in a really tough course in what's supposed to be really difficult conditions on thursday how did you get into golf i don't know um i don't know i used to just watch the masters and because a lot of people just watch the masters and then i was like i really liked that and then i started watching it the next weekend and i was like i like that too like <laughs> I, it's like the easiest thing and then and then i started watching it on like thursdays and fridays because it's the easiest thing to have on while you work like while sure. you write uh you know like it's 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 like soothing you you can look away for 20 minutes and not feel like you missed much like right. that was my biggest thing it's my favorite thing to have on in the background while i write about the Timberwolves, you know, like, so right. it, it's stuck. And now I just enjoy it. You don't have to be breaking down the X's and O's of golf as you, as you watch it. Yeah. If you missed, if you missed 20 minutes of basketball, the score has changed and the team that was down 10 uh, is now up six. And you're like, what the heck just <laughs> happened? Um, you know, and, and in golf, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess he bogeyed that one hole. Um, <laughs> I missed, I missed 20 minutes. I missed him take two swings, which <laughs> a lot of people find really boring. But for me is like perfect for what I use it for, yeah. you know? I like it. I like it. I'll, I'll have to get into it. Um, Prizepicks.com, Prizepicks app. Uh, again, golf as exemplified by this. Uh, golf, basketball, whatever. Um, they're they're really loaded. In, in you said you were going to do gaming. No, I didn't. was joking. I don't even really know. There is a Call of Duty thing on here. I don't even know what that. I guess there's like a Call of Duty. You don't know what a good score is? Neither do I. 20, <laughs> 21 and a half <laughs> map kills over or under. <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't know, but you can bet you can do it. You Man, can do me, it 10 years ago, I would have totally known what that was. <laughs> yeah. They have the combine on here. That's great. They do? Yes. Like 40 times. Yeah. That, oh my gosh. Why did we not pick that? I just am looking at it right now. I was so set on golf. I should have looked at it. Jack Campbell over <laughs> more than or less than 4.69 seconds in his 40. No joke. This is actually cool. This, this, this is actually like this to, watch, really cool. to watch the combine and be like, okay, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. man. I think if you bet that and watched it. <laughs> That'd be so fun. And you're like, is uh, that the official time? What is the combine? It's this week. Is this week? Okay. Well, it's all right. like the guys that like there, you can see like, um, yeah, this is too much for everybody. But Will Anderson Jr. is a linebacker. Um, and the linebackers go Thursday. So his, you have yep. to decide by 2 p.m. Thursday. And then like the quarterbacks are Saturday. And this so. is actually sweet. Yeah. Huh. CJ Stroud, four, seven, two, 40 time. Over That's to- yeah, exactly. These are, these are things I tell with anybody, like don't play this. If you're just trying to like, if you're like, I need to make money, 
Like, if you just want to watch the combine and make it more entertaining, like you always say, just make it a little more entertaining. $5 on these guys to go more than or less than. Do it. Prizepicks.com or the Prizepicks app. Um, If, again, if you haven't signed up for an account, or maybe you already have one from listening to us do this, but if you don't have an account, they will give you a $100 sign-up bonus if you sign up using the promo code DANE. So... Send me, send me and Jace your combine picks. Yes, on, on and I want to see if you're right. I, I will, I will totally sweat this. With what's your lock? What is your lock of a forty time of these guys you've never heard of? <laughs> exactly. We we want to know. Jalen Hyatt, four point three seconds. I'll take more than on that. Very oh. few guys run a four two. Is Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter's kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four four three. That's a low one. Is he's a cornerback though? So we'll see. Anyways, check it out. Do do the 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 prize picks uh, for for the combine uh, on Thursday throughout the weekend. Whatever it is, uh, if you want it. If you are in Minnesota, uh, maybe we're going to get legalized sports gambling here soon. Uh, but in the meantime, you have daily fantasy and uh, prize picks has that. So you can't play legally in Minnesota because it is daily fantasy. So so check that out over at prizepicks.com. Jace, uh, appreciate you doing this. Uh, we'll get back, reconvene next week and uh, see if our optimism from this Clippers win was stupid or if it was the beginning of the trend. Maybe we'll have Carl back soon maybe it'll be like questionable on the injury report by then we'll see a lot of season left kind of i just i feel ready to like make the shift into back into carl time right like i actually found it interesting and fun to be like what does this team look like without carl back in december and we were so interested of like what can ant do like going to the next level i'm done with that experiment i'm like okay i get what ant looks like without all of this just feels like time to get things back together, let's make some sense of this team with 10, 15 games to go with, with Carl back. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's coming soon. Uh, in the meantime, they got to continue to keep the boat afloat, um, and uh, we'll keep monitoring it. He's Jace Frederick. You can read him over at the Pioneer Press. Follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Actually, can have. I'm not Brit- listening to you. I'm, I'm looking at offensive linemen. Forty. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, I will be back. Uh, I think uh, Britt's writing a column, so we're gonna do a double Brit week. Um, go off of what his column is, and so I think we're gonna record that on Thursday afternoon. So that'll be up Thursday evening or or Friday morning, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, again, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Until Thursday with Britt. I'm feeling better, hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah